That was so dark and funny. <laughs> I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. At your expense. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your host, Lonely Keith Barney. Make me happy, Mike and Deglio. Way back in high school, most every night. My mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo. What could I do? Wait 15 years. Not much has changed. And the wheels come off before we even play at the beginning. Yes. And? Out of and welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast. We are podcasting this morning from Rainy Astoria, but we are still going to talk about Season 3, Episode 7 of The Practice, entitled Trench Work. How's it going, Dex? Uh... I guess we're uh, sifting through some of our own trench work, aren't we there, Keith? Aren't we always? Isn't that the purpose of a podcast? Sure is. We are headlong into a case of our own Mondays, still slightly sick, lots to do, running behind schedule, but you know what? We are here. We are here, yeah, and we're going to go to the uh, the Red Bucket Follies on Broadway this afternoon. We are. Keith and I have spent more time together physically, well, that sounds weird, but uh, in the uh, cohabitating the same space uh, during the run of this podcast than we have probably in the last decade. Oh, yeah, for sure, because, you know. We're both homebodies who don't like to see people or go outside? Yes, exactly. Because we both don't like other people, including each other. So, but <laughs> but we have we have a, a strange tolerance for one another these days, which I guess is is what they call friendship. <laughs> I, <laughs> a strange tolerance or friendship. <laughs> that's a, that's a that's a quality album title. A strange tolerance. A strange tolerance. No, you're totally right. Band name even. That could be a band name. All right. Well, if we ever have a band that we uh, that we form exclusively to play jingles from our podcast, <laughs> we can do a strange tolerance now on tour nowhere. Yeah. Uh so what uh what are we doing? <laughs> I've, I've forgotten. I've buried the lead. Well, you know, we are here to talk because, uh, first off, guys, you can reach us. Yes. Uh, and please do, because otherwise we have nothing to talk about. We might have to talk to each other, which Ooh. is the worst. Yeah. Uh, you can reach us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can uh, find us on social medias on Facebook and Instagram at outofpracticepodcast. Do us a favor. Leave us a rating and review. Join the jury. I have a bumper. I haven't played it in six to eight weeks. Uh, I I spent almost seven minutes on it. 
So give me a chance to play the bumper, join the jury, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you leave, leave it somewhere else, uh, that's fantastic. Send us an email. Let us know it's there so we can find it and read it and give you your full credit as a member of the jury. So, absent that, what we're going to talk about is November 15th, 1998, on a Sunday night, and it leads us to my eternal question, what were you doing this day in the basement? I was freshly 18 years old. I turned 18 on November 13th, 1998, and I'm just remembering the beauty, the beauty that is turning 18 years old. Do tell. All right. So let me, how did it feel different? 18 is an interesting one because technically you're an adult, but you can't do most of the fun things. Yeah. I was the nerd who was excited about voting at 18, but uh, that's all I took advantage of. Yeah, well, interestingly, in Pennsylvania, the big deal uh, turning 18 was that you no longer had your junior license. When you first get your license at 16, you have what they call a junior license. Now, I'm certain this has changed now, but uh, your junior license, there was a couple of restrictions that I can't remember, but the big one was that you couldn't leave the state. Really? You couldn't drive outside the state, which is weird when you really think about it. In fact, my first week I had my license when I was 16, we drove to Six Flags Great Adventure from King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, which is about... The New Jersey one, right? Yeah, so it was about... It's only about 35 miles, but it's in Jersey. And of course, I got pulled over coming out of a a toll booth too quickly, and I I got double banged because not only was I going too fast in a toll booth area, but I was out of state. So now let me let me just like I yes that does sound totally shitty and and ridiculous and unfair but what were you doing peeling out of a toll booth? Uh I had like a bunch of friends in the car and and whatever. You, you I were just 16. got my I just got my license I was 16. I, there's not any real rational reason. <laughs> but I You're think like yeah, suck it. New Jersey Transit. But I remember getting points on my license. Like literally that was the first week I had my license. My dad was so pissed. Oh fuck. Anyway, but I do remember in, I don't know if it was, I can't remember the exact date, but it was around the time I turned 18. So I'm just going to use this, this day in the basement. I got my favorite car that I've ever had. And I remember I'd been saving all this money for the down payment. And ultimately my dad just kind of helped me out. Um, We came to a financial, a fiscal arrangement, which was basically him just paying for it, but, and let me keep most of the money I'd saved. Turns out, uh, owning a car is expensive. Just, ah, yes, indeed it is. Just being responsible for your own gas, even as a as a kid, uh, turned out to be a lot more expensive. So it's a good thing my dad let me hang on to some of that money I'd saved. Anyway, it of was course, a not- gas back then. If I remember, because uh, I remember because I was buying gas that at point at that point too. I think at some point it hit as low as eighty seven cents a gallon in Vermont. Yeah, I have a picture of a a gas thing from around that time. It was right in that around that. It was like eighty nine cents. Cheaper than water at that point. That didn't last long. Anyway. No wonder our planet's burning. Yeah. I, I, it was my favorite car ever. It was a 1998 Honda Prelude, which they didn't make for very long. It was a two-door coupe. It was a little sporty, little sports car. I ended up having to get rid of it right before I moved to New York. It was the Prelude to making a different car? Yeah. It was, it was like the perfect, it actually was the perfect analogy of that, that time of my life. 
I didn't understand the wicked responsibility fiscally and just property wise of having a vehicle. I thought I was hot shit because I had this like little sports car, not really appreciating it or appreciating what my dad had to go through to give it to me or to help me get it. You know, just sure. all that stuff yeah. uh, that uh, really goes with the territory. Now, I, I fully under understand that I grew up in a really, in many ways, a really privileged way. Like I didn't have a lot of people at 18 are really already in, in deep shit, you know, working their asses off. And I, I was lucky to be sheltered to just about there. The, the wheels came off uh, proverbially, uh, right, right after. But, uh, at least up to that point, I was still living the golden white picket dream of suburban, uh, defense against actual life. Yeah. Peeling out of toll booths in your prelude. Yeah, man. Six flags. Here I come. <laughs> I keep saying I'm going to go to that Six Flags, and then I never do. It's wonderful. because I'm. I mean, I love amusement parks. I love roller coasters. Like that's my that's my jam. Steel Force, baby. I know they've got a lot there, but my love of roller coasters is always trumped by my hatred of people. Yeah, or traffic for that matter. Yeah, I mean, try. I, I would drive by it like constantly between New York and Philly, but I'm always like. What's the day there that I can guarantee that it will just be me in the amusement park all by myself? And there really isn't one of those. Now, interestingly, Keith, before we jump to Vermont, I just read as to your hatred of you know people and lines for the new Star Wars attraction uh, at Disney that they is apparently amazing. It's like a 15 minute experience where you jump from like ride to ride. They are trying out this new thing. I can't remember what it's called, but basically... You, on the app, sign up for a boarding group, and you then go about, you do that in the morning when you get up or whatever, you then go about your day at Disney or wherever the parks, and then they text you, basically, through the app, a 15-minute warning or a 20-minute warning, and you get that 20 minutes, you go then go to the ride, and then you, there's no lines, basically. You basically queue up the ride. So so I guess the way they're headed is that you'd get up in the morning. Keith says hello, Jen. Keith, she brought me breakfast. It's the wife magical. Thing. Oh my god! I know. I don't know what you I did. You are living the it. dream, man. It's true. I'm in my boxers podcasting while my wife brings me food, and she's going to go to her her show. That is somebody's dream. I'm not sure it was mine, but it's it's up. Wait there. a minute. Are you? T- How is that not the absolute dream? I'd much rather it be the other way. Oh, that I were podcasting with Jen. And- in yeah. her boxers, and you came and brought her breakfast? Uh, maybe not that, but, you know, <laughs> I see where you're going. Anyway, so I guess ultimately what you'll do is you'll just queue up all your rides for the day, and you'll just kind of enjoy the ambience of the park while you go to your different appointments. I, that sounds great to me. Yeah, no, I, it, that sounds like a much better system than, like, fuck the poors. The rich people just pay for uh, better access to everything. Yeah, fuck the poors. Anyway, let's let's drive up. And on that note, let's drive up I-95 a little too fast in our Honda Prelude up to Vermont and decide what was happening on that cold, naked basement on that dirt road. Well, uh, unfortunately, you're not heading up 95. That's right. I'm going to Rochester. You're heading up. uh, You're heading up 87 to Albany and then uh, heading over on 90, I think. Better put those winter tires on. We'll get those winter tires all the way to Rochester, New York. 
where uh, I, I'm. <laughs> this is really a story for our our other impending podcast. Uh, but uh, did you have a college roommate? I did. Michael Britt was his name. What's up, Mike? I will not be referencing the name of my college roommate nor any identifying features <laughs> because of this story. Okay, uh, fair, fair. Yeah, so uh, this was 1998. It was before smartphones, before uh, ubiquitous laptops, that kind of stuff. But I saved up uh, my entire senior year in high school to buy myself my first individual computer, which was a Sony Vio Pentium 2. A P2. A P2. It was, it, it was like the purple one it was so sweet and i got myself a uh, a 17 inch monitor that was the it probably weighed the same amount as your prelude uh and and it cost i think like $2600 for this <coughs> desktop computer anyway so proud of it it was my pride and joy and uh so I, I, I twenty six six dial up baud mode. No, we were. I think we had uh, Ethernet at that point, right? We did at school. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean at home we were still. We were the fifty six k. We had like the hardcore. We started with the fourteen four up to the fifty six k. Beep boop uh, beep boop, boop. Dial into Prodigy. <laughs> exactly. Uh, old people. Which I have to figure that most people listening. To yeah. this show probably dealt with a modem at some point in their life. Anyway, so my pride and joy. And uh, so in our uh, dorm rooms, we had two bunk beds. And we had our desks underneath the bunk beds. Classic. And uh, of course. And uh, and I was, oh, I was going to say, I'm going to post a picture from that the minute somebody leaves us another rating or review. So if you really want to see the picture of my bunk bed, an 18-year-old me proudly displaying this computer. Leave us a rating and review, and I will post that on Instagram. Well, you've just assured we will never get another... We will never get another review. Uh, anyway, so my roommate did not have a computer, which... Let me, let me just put this. 18-year-old first access to broadband... Uh, there's a roommate there, but what do you think could possibly I have woken up to at two o'clock in the morning and uh, heard noises, rolled over, and made direct eye contact with my roommate? He was giving an old J.O. on your internet? He uh, he absolutely was. I looked wow. over, and two o'clock in the morning, my roommate was uh, uh, working out his tension. On wow. uh, using my computer, <laughs> and I just rolled over, and of course, in a, in a bunk bed, he's sitting underneath it. You roll your head over; your heads are like maybe two to three feet apart, and like making direct eye contact. It was—I've had a lot of awkward moments in my life, but it might be the awkwardest. Yeah, what's funny to me about that is that if I was to like put myself in your shoes, there, I don't even care what you're doing. I don't even care about that. Just don't use my computer. Oh, well, sure. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely step one. But now you need but, a new keyboard. But he, you know, to to make eye contact with a relative stranger uh, who 
let's say, has his business in hand <laughs> is uh, unfortunate. I don't believe we spoke a word about it then or ever. I just sort of rolled back <laughs> and pretended I didn't see it. And that was that. Um, I have to, I hate to hijack this. And I, this is definitely a story for a different podcast, but I have to share it now because it's the closest I can come to, to, to comparing to that. Um, I was hired at a specific, at a certain company some years ago. It was a startup and, um, you know, a startup, you wear a lot of different hats. And so I got asked to work on this other project that wasn't actually part of my job at the time. And it was, uh, quality assurance testing, uh, an app. Okay. And so I brought in my own, uh, iPad to, uh, work at my desk, not even thinking that I'm sure the company has its own devices to work on or whatever, but I brought my own Uh-oh. and I, I, I found some bugs that I wanted to show to my supervisor. I give him oh, my no. iPad, uh, all's well later in the day, he sets up a meeting. He's like, Hey, can I talk to you? And I'm like, sure. I'm thinking we're going to talk about the stuff I found. Anyway, he's going to talk about the stuff he found. Yes. (laughs) Luckily, he was super cool. And he's like, look, man, I know this is your personal device. Uh, This is why we use the company devices, because, uh, you know, sometimes you forget what you got on there. He's like, and if I were any any other supervisor, you could be in some deep stuff. He's like, but, you know, I get it. It's cool. But just like be more careful next time. So it was super cool of him. But you can imagine my embar- my embarrassment level. I mean, this oh, is like my first god. two weeks on the job, and I'm like, oh my god, I showed them porn. That my- is uh. the worst. <laughs> so uh, maybe at least we weren't making eye contact while it was happening. Oh god, no, that was, and at least you weren't <clears throat> you were in you weren't in the act. You were merely caught for previously having attempted said act. Now to 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 tie it all back together. What if your college roommate was ever on trial for murder? We could use that experience to attack his character. Because as we found out in the practice, your porn habits uh, maybe could be brought up in your trial. That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The the insane assumption that were you to do that, you would be more likely to murder somebody. I mean, it's possible that this roommate might murder me for telling this story, <laughs> yeah. which would be perfectly understandable. Uh, but yeah, no, that was, yeah. Well, and, and this was the exact same, obviously it's the exact same era. That's the whole point of the segment, dummy. But yeah, it was much, it was much more of a, uh, a taboo back then. Keith, one more off topic conversation before we get into the news and then we have the episode. I wanted to ask you since you have more experience in this arena than I, when writing a story uh, that will be put public and you want to change somebody's name, Uh. but their name is so perfect that you sort of want it to scant sort of the same, how much do you have to change? Is it like, so it's completely unrecognizable or do you just need to like alter it slightly so that it's, you're not held liable? Well, it, yeah, that is a actually a really good question, and and at least in my experience, and <clears throat> I have a fair amount of experience in this uh, arena. Uh, my lawyer recommended that I uh, take it to the standard that a reasonable person would not be able to infer it's the same person. Oh. So, so you would not want to call him Schmuddled Schmumpf, right? Uh, you would want to change it to something else. Now, if there's something about the name that you liked, the alliteration or mm-hmm. the subtext or whatever, 
uh, I would recommend using uh, alliteration of a different word. Find a synonym. Okay. So if her name was like Baker, <laughs> call her a synonym for Baker or something like that. Oh, uh, okay. Cook or yeah. whatever. Uh, All right. You know, we'll talk more about it offline. I have some specific examples I'd like to th- throw your way. <laughs> Wait, are you working on something? Uh, yeah. Nothing, yeah, nothing, well, nothing important. Well, something for something else. Schmeeth Barney is not is too close. All right. Maybe Theo's available. <laughs> uh, one of my many pseudonyms. So even though you're in Rochester and I'm still in Pennsylvania, what's happening in the Vermont Daily Register? Vermont Daily Register? Have you not been listening to the last 700 episodes of this? You know me so well. <laughs> well... Let me tell you, uh, let me talk about the number one song first, which continued to be an ad for the iPhone 11, which is uh, everyone's favorite. Everyone's favorite moment of the Out of Practice podcast is when I'm stalling while pulling up the number one song on YouTube and I have to continue stalling through the ad. What was it last week? Lauren Hill? Yeah. Still is. It's still doo-wop that thing by Lauren Hill as the top song. The top movie continued to be Waterboy. In week two, Bobby Boucher took in 24 more million dollars. The cover of the Burlington Free Press. The headline was Iraq Barely Avoids US Air Attack. It wasn't barely enough because we were nay four years from a certain uh, event that didn't go well for anyone involved and i I think the show will probably be running the practice will be running through that time period so stay tuned so that was what was going on there which takes us to our next important segment as i switch back i always talk about how important the segments are because i'm stalling for time All right, here we are. This day in sports ball. The Packers blew out the Giants 37-3 at Giants Stadium. Brett Favre threw two touchdowns, and Danny Cannell completed 40% of his passes, leading an offense that racked up a whopping 127 total yards. The 2-8 Washington Racist names walloped the 2-8 Eagles 28-3 in a game that was too depressing to process. It was not going well for us. Good one, buddy. Yep. Here to help, which now we're going to talk about the episode. This episode was written by series creator David E. Kelly, who apparently has fired all of the other writing staff and or is taking credit for all of their work. It was directed by Oz Scott, who also directed The Means, Race with the Devil, and In Deep. So we have a veteran team here, which brings us to life's eternal question... What does my thing's gonna happen? Wow. Really rocked that one, eh? I just became Canadian for a second. I don't have much of a voice uh, or tuning on that guitar. And the tuning tuning peg broke off, so I I can't even do it. So uh, I gave you something a little different there. All right. Uh, Well, you know, I should mention that uh, a lot of spoiler alerts these days because I, I don't want to make you all suffer through the previously on. And so in fast forwarding through the previously on, which I've started to watch because as you know, I don't pay as much attention as I probably should. So true. 
so I, I, I am absolutely chagrin to recognize that this episode is, I guess, what we're going to call a Thanksgiving leftovers episode. Uh, it seems like what they so what they previously on showed me is we we've gone through all of the cases that we've lost recently. Yeah, previously on the practice, everything that's ever happened on the yeah. practice. So it feels like we're just going to go back into the trenches, quote unquote, and clear up some some loose ends. Did you think that we're just going to let uh, Mr. Peterson rot in jail? Well, no, we're not. We're going to revisit that. Plus, you remember that weird kid who. uh I forget what he Danny did. Danny Torrance from The Shining. He witnessed a murder. Yeah. We're going to revisit that as well, apparently. And I think also, believe it or not, even though he just got uh, let out of jail, we're going to visit the It's a Head in a Bag again, somehow, some way. Yes, indeed. Yeah. You know what? Thanksgiving Leftovers should be the title of this episode. So, Guys, I hope you were paying really close attention to the last 41 episodes of the Out of Practice podcast, because there will be a quiz. So I need to have an out of the bag and out of the box. Uh, that was a, a, a slip there. Uh, just ra- <laughs> random prediction. And I'm going to make a random prediction that out of nowhere, Lucy, our new favorite crush for me and Keith, is going to have some sort of big arc in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> are, are, is is that what you think is actually going to happen or would that just make you hap 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 happy oh you know probably that <laughs> uh that's unfortunate but what would make me hap 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 happy is to go ahead and run this ad for anchor first oh love that ad hap hap happy indeed which Here I guess go. brings us to The Practice, Season 3, Episode 8. 7. Uh, which brings <laughs> us to The Practice, Season 3, Episode 7, Trench Work. What's going to happen? He's got to apologize. If he says he's sorry... He said he's sorry. What who? Clinton? Pearson. Sentencing is tomorrow. Clinton. Hiller goes for contrition. Ah, remember this was happening during a certain other A good show of remorse can be the difference between 18 and life. Actually, um... I'm thinking... Thinking what? I'm gonna ask her to reduce the charge to manslaughter. What? That's what it really was. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They convicted him of murder because manslaughter wasn't available, not because of... Of all the judges that won't fly with... Judge Hill is the last person on earth. She's all I've got. Lindsay. I've done the research. We need to talk about this. Why? What's... Who cares? What what could it hurt? Well, they have... Already have a bit of a contentious relationship with Judge Zoe Hiller, our friend Linda Hunt. And so uh, what Lucy wants to do here is basically ask uh, Judge Hiller to overrule the jury and say, nah, it wasn't murder one or murder two. It was manslaughter. Yeah, she wouldn't even let self-defense into the case. So they're right in that it's probably a long shot. But I mean, what could it hurt? It's not like their reputation's going to take a ding. Yeah, fair enough. Is that in Tony fact, Danza that just walked in? Oh, look out, kids. Wow. Yeah. Looks like clients are paying their bills. Tommy. How you doing, Bobby? Jimmy. Hey, Ellie. Hey, Wait, Tommy. All right, so that's What's exactly up? it. Tony to Tommy. Change the pseudonym just a hair. So, uh, all right, let's do it. Guy 
it looks a lot like Tony Danza. Boss? Oh, snap. That was... That, I thought that for was. sure you were going to go there, but <laughs> I'll take the win. I'll take the but win. But look, we all know that he wasn't the boss. Mm-hmm. Judith Light was the boss. Like, and still on. is, let's be honest. And still is. That guy who looks like Tony Danza is Tony Danza. Hey. Hey. From the- Who's the Boss, Taxi, Angels in the Outfield, The Good Cop, Family Law, Hudson Street, Baby Talk, the TV the, show. The trash picking, field goal kicking, Philadelphia Eagle? <clears throat> Remember that <laughs> Wait, movie? Oh, uh, no. What did he, did he play an eagle? Yeah, that field goal kicker. He was a trash man who gets picked up on the practice squad and then makes the team. Oh, is, is that that true story that, uh, uh, what's, his name, what's his name played later? No, that's Vince Papali. Oh, okay. This is like a, I, I don't think it was a real thing. This was just a stupid movie he was in uh, where he's a trash guy who then becomes a field goal kicker for the Eagles. Interesting. At the same, probably the same era as Necessary Roughness. Yeah, that, around that, that time. Kathy yeah. Ireland played the kicker. Keith, do you want to hear my Tony Danza story? It's a good one. I would love to hear your Tony Danza story. Okay, so uh, I was uh, rehearsing for a terrible play uh, at a studio in the city. And across the way, uh, there was an acting class taking place. I'm guessing and, Ripley. Uh, it was one of the, it was one of the Shetlers, I think. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, I'm leaving the studio, and the there's an acting class across the way in another studio that's emptying out at the time. And I get onto the elevator, and it's uh, me, Tony Danza, and some guy Tony Danza's talking to. Okay, sure. And they start talking about this musical that he's in at the time. And he's like, oh, I'm working with this guy, Jason Robert Brown, and it's great, great, blah, 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 blah. I was going to mention that show. So uh, I can't help but get perked up because I like musicals and I love Jason Robert Brown. And I saw like, oh, my God, I'm such a big fan of Jason Robert Brown. Tell me everything. And he laughs and he's like, well, we just started rehearsal. So, you know, it's I don't know much. And then we're chatting about. Uh, what were we chatting? I can't remember exactly what we we're talking about, but we get into a conversation and we get to the bottom of the studio and the elevator doors open. And I was like, I was like, have a good night, guys. And Tony Danza says to me, hey, me and my buddy here are going to have a drink next door. You want to have a beer and chat? And I'm no like, shit. I'm like, whoa, that's awesome. Of but course. Here, but here's where the story, Keith, takes a romantic twist. Uh, did you kiss? <laughs> Three days prior, four days prior, I had met this girl and who ended up being my wife, and I had a date with her. And so I was like, no, nah, man, I have to go meet this girl. He's like, oh, I get it. He's like, oh, that's, I get it. And so I turned down a date with Tony Danza to go on to a date go, with my wife. To go on a date with your wife? That's a great story. And then I told her the story, and she goes, oh, you should have. It's a much better story if you if you go with Tony Danza. She's like, I would have understood. And I was, like, I was like, that's so funny. But I didn't do it. That's really funny. Well, it's that elevator is a good one. I, I rode the elevator uh, with Julia Garner hmm. in that elevator at Shetler. And also, um, uh, oh, my God, what is her? I believe what we met name? on that elevator at Shetler. Did we? Oh, no. That's where Titanic was. 939, right? Oh, Shetler 8th. Yeah, I don't think that's even around anymore. Oh, 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 oh. It was that? 
Tony Danza was in that Shetler? No, no, no. Different Shetler, but I just was trying to tie it all together. <laughs> oh, oh, I see what you're <clears throat> I see what you're doing. Uh yeah, no, I rode oh yeah, with uh with Julie Garner and Brooke Shields all in the same elevator. Brooke. Yeah, how about that? Well, we're gonna watch the register of this episode with a a, a a thought of what could have been. <laughs> yes, you could have had a beautiful romance with Tony Danza. Well, this but is a little delicate. Know. That's why I'm here in person. Yeah. Actually, I had kind of a long night of the soul before I... Uh, I represent Steve Robin and his dad. I think the long night of the soul because he got rejected by Michael Deglio. What? what? I know. I'm not too thrilled. But uh, oh, and I had to name you guys personally, too, in case you try to dissolve the partnership or something. Steve Robin? Yeah, brother of the victim in your Vogelman trial. Eugene accused him of being the killer. Oh. That's defamation, intentional infliction. You can't sue for that. We have qualified immunity. Well, you're probably right, but my research says we might make a go of it. You got a lot of nerve. Well, All right, thing stop is, right there. We need to do a new segment called... What the hell is Lucy wearing? What the hell is Lucy? Meanwhile, like there's all this plot stuff going on and Tony Danza is suing the whole firm for defamation and all that kind of stuff. And all the chickens are coming home to roost. But what is Lucy wearing? Well, she's dressed as a geisha with chopsticks in her hair. And because that's 1998. Beca- you know, she's fashion forward. <laughs> is that fashion forward or just? cultural appropriation well yeah Uh, if by the way if you don't want to go to work tomorrow just tell them you got sick from your podcast yeah right oh my god and like something we both had terrible colds we did not meet in person so i'm not responsible for this yeah the rumor mill can stop right there grieving brother accuse him of killing his own sister when you know he didn't that's bad Personally, I don't think it's an excuse that you said it in court. Oh, and look, uh, I have to go for liens and all. Actually, isn't it, it, it the only excuse is that they said it at court? Well, that's, I mean, you're allowed to say stuff in court, guys. You heard it here first. You got to protect the judgment. You know how it goes. The hearing on that is tomorrow. It's ex party, but I tell you anyway, because we're all in the same fraternity. So, be seeing you. Bobby Donald gave him a look because Tony Tanza out Bobby Donald's Bobby Donald sometimes. They certainly have a similar affect, though Tony Danza is like a little bit more loosey goosey. But yes. Mm-hmm. He can't sue for what you say in court. Well, he has. Yeah, you can sue for whatever. Thirty million dollars. Wow, she looks ridiculous. God, <laughs> hope you don't lose. Unless this is the start of like a sub through line that Lucy's always wearing crazy stuff. But if it's just a one off, it's ri- ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, all right, so you're the customer. All right. And I'll, I'll be Lucy. Okay. All right, what am I wearing today? I don't, you know, I just got back from a trip to uh, mainland China and I was thinking okay. we could do something like a, a kimono robe with like chopsticks in your hair. Uh, okay, you realize that I'm. A 19-year-old white lady? Yeah, we were thinking of, like, squinting up your eyes a little bit. That doesn't seem like a good idea. It's going to be broadcast on national television, right? Yeah, but it's the 90s, you know? Everybody's doing baggy clothes right now. Like, have you seen Hanging with Mr. Cooper lately? That's one look. I thought we'd go, like, a different way. Yeah, but I'm imagining that 
Uh, this show is going to live on in perpetuity on VHS. Oh, what if now, somebody would you feel uncomfortable if during different scenes you just giggled like <laughs> and really just like went for it? I I feel uncomfortable even with our little game role play we're doing here. <laughs> I thought I was supposed to be playing the culturally inappropriate costumer. I didn't. That's not me. Mission accomplished. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, what do you want me to half-ass it or? <laughs> now, what if the theme song had rolled in all sort of like, you know, I won't even try to do a. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it. Do not. Yeah, alright. Well, so we've now set up a pretty uh pretty important case because they're being sued for 30 million dollars for all of these uh for lying. Or not lying, because it's like it's I guess it's slander. Yeah. Good but thing then it they... was a uh, soft plan B. Yeah, it's true. He didn't go in the full B. I don't even know what that means, but I wish I didn't. (laughs) Okay, what's going to happen? There is qualified immunity for what is said in court. Eleanor, Jimmy, Rebecca, I want you to all get on this. Research it, draft a memo. Eleanor, you take the hearing. Jimmy, notify your insurance. This case is bogus. I am not taking chances. We don't want Tommy Silva ever getting this to a jury. Lindsay, in my office. Tommy Silva... You already went to appeals asking them to overrule Judge Hiller. And I almost won it. You said so yourself. The point is, she doesn't like it when lawyers go running behind her back saying she screwed up. Oh, please. That's my and grandma. Springing this on her at sentencing? I'm not springing it. I'm filing. You want Pearson hit with life? Because that's what's going to happen. So not they if I persuade. I know, Zoe. Didn't he already get life? Well, he, he got convicted of second-degree murder, but he has not been sentenced yet. Okay. So she is doing Lee this. Hiller, your best shot at sentences. a reduced sentence is Pearson taking responsibility for the crime. If you go in there still battling a conviction, I think you're wrong, Lindsay. Your strategy is the reason he's in jail, Bobby. Don't tell me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. Yes, you did. You keep saying it. You must mean it. It is not unheard of for a judge to convert a sentence. Cowboy judges, maybe, but she isn't that. She is Linda by Hunt, the book. not a cowboy. She will rebel against this, and your professor will end up doing more time than the other. You know, they haven't really set. They've set her up to be pretty sympathetic. That Judge Heller, I mean, and yeah, and especially to this office, she loves Bobby in a certain way. So I don't see why. Maybe he just doesn't want to like ruin his reputation with her. But well, we actually mentioned this last episode. They brought her up where all of a sudden they're talking about her as if she's some sort of like a hardliner, but that hasn't been the case thus far yeah let's not forget the monkey case in this last case right yeah exactly she was sympathetic to the wise wood that's the actual monkey not the guy they put makeup on to look like a monkey that's right and that wasn't the worst part of that episode trust me healthy margin although to be fair i think we've we've officially established as canon that that didn't happen that episode oh that's true yes we have removed uh Sex, lies, and monkeys from the canon. So if you're taking notes at home, uh, didn't count. As the official representative of the practice in the podcast universe, I believe we have the authority to do that. Well, we are the only, so there's that. Only equals official. (laughs) 
Miss Gamble? Yes. I thought that was you, Edward Harrelson. Hello. Well, have you been able to come up with any more evidence to make the arrest? I'm sorry. You are Edward Harrelson. My daughter was killed by the parish boy. The witness is four years old. From the old. previous episode, oh. this was the father of the woman well, do you have any new evidence? who got murdered, and the witness was uh, the Not that boy. I'm aware of, no. Played by James Ingersoll. Well, have you checked? Well, I will check and get back to you. I'm a very busy man. You will check. Today, I promise. I'm a very busy woman. I don't mean to be a pest. He killed my daughter. But you know, there was a horrible murder that you just sort of forgot about? Felt about two inches. Like, well, my hair Nothing's is very changed, tight. Son. The four-year-old's all we've got, and he gets less reliable the longer we wait. Hey, Carl Pickens Jr. Star number two, no James Pickens Jr. James Pickens Jr. Trust Not Carl's Jr. No. I think we're gonna have to be honest with the girl's parents, Helen. The kid who killed their daughter's gonna stay free. Mm, there has to be something we can do. It is risky. The rest of your life is in her hands. If I get her angry... Well, can't you bring the motion without getting her angry? Returning yes. guest star number three, Edward Herman! Who perfectly summed up our whole my whole point. He said, well, can't you bring it up without her getting angry? Isn't that really sort of the answer? You would think, yeah. I mean, I'm certainly not going to antagonize her. But she has little patience for anything unorthodox, and showing up at sentencing, asking her to reduce the charge... Once again, a reminder, they brought a chimpanzee into her office for a sit-down interview. So if you want to talk about unorthodox, I think that fits the bill. I feel, But non-canon. Correct. That's unorthodox. Oh, wait, no, no, the that's episode. canon. Different episode. Right. You're looking at 20 minimum on murder two. You're just confusing your monkeys. Probably 25. Indeed. Manslaughter? Out in maybe four. What if we get her angry? I get life. Well, she turns green and splits all our clothing, but, you know. But, like, what if we, like, they're saying Hiller's by the book. She also, nothing there says that she would be the type who would be punitive and, like, sentence a guy to life because his lawyer pissed him off. That that would be terrible misconduct. Yeah, isn't that grounds for, like, a habeas corpus hearing anyway? If she I was to do that? it would be. Yeah. It's your call. Let's go for manslaughter. Keith, next year, can we dress up as zombies in judges' robes and call ourselves the habeas corpses? I'll allow it. I wrote two zombie novels, by the way, guys. You should buy it. What would happen if you couldn't trust the water? Hey, Dave. Hey, Jeremy. Can right? I steal you a second? Yeah. Great premise. Yeah. I'll see you, Dave. Off the record. Sure. Between you and me, I think what Eugene did to that kid was out of line. But going after lawyers for what they do or say in court, you sure you want to be doing this? Like I said, it was a tough call. I mean, the father and the brother, they're in my office in tears. My heart went out. I've known you a long time. You're a good guy. It makes sense that they're friends. Appreciate that. Yeah, I was about to say that. This is kind of they a small town. A lawyer who sues other lawyers. You gotta look at the big picture here. You know, Jimmy. And they're like I appreciate you taking like the time to look out for me like this. 
I hope to pay you back one day. Ooh. That was like a threat and a threat back. Oh, the orchestral scoring. Yeah. Guys, it's returning guest star number five, Eve Gordon as the mom of the creepy kid. Sure, sure. Danny, you remember Miss Gamble? Oh, Danny Torrance. Hi. It's returning guest star, actually number five, Dakota Leopardi Oopsie Award winner as the kid who looks like he had a rough year. And a rough haircut. I I know the last thing you're going to want to hear is me asking again that your son testify at a probable cause hearing. But the killer is still out there, Miss Walsh. What if he were to kill somebody else? I have never denied being totally selfish about this. No, you haven't been selfish. You've been Danny's mother. And I still am. See, the thing is, different public defenders are in the courts on different days, ready to take appointments. Some are aggressive, some aren't. Some are lazy, some aren't. Some have little boys of their own. Did you notice that she has a giant cooler just like on the shelf behind her? It's such an interesting set dressing. That's where she keeps the head. What are you trying to tell me? There's one woman, PD. It would go against her career. Rough on a little boy. If, if we could arraign the parish kid on the same day that she was in the court. And suppose the kid manages to hire his own lawyer this time, or the case gets reassigned. Miss Gamble, Danny still has nightmares. Two weeks ago, they flashed that parish boy's face on the news, and he started to cry and shake all over, going, "That's him! That's him!" You know what would give him more nightmares? If the killer that's still on the loose was to come back looking for Danny. Maybe he should just testify. It's possible. It's possible. I mean, I I don't know. Maybe he's in the cooler. Well, I hope cooler heads prevail. I cannot let this. If I could give you some assurance. I am sorry. Oh, we're just fired away. (laughs) All right. I at least had to ask. The idea that... What? You said he was pointing at the TV going in. She has an idea. And he was upset. Almost hysterical. Why? Miss Walsh, would you be willing to testify? Me? But how can I? I didn't see anything. If I could persuade the court to let you testify instead of Danny, would you? I guess I owe you that much. She'll testify to a visual identification through the television? Yes. It's clever. Not as clever as that awesome cell phone she's using. Arrested. Yeah. Okay. Okay, we're moving on. See, we are dealing with the leftovers. You guys set? Yep, we're ready. Timmy got all the research on attorney immunity. The case law looks good. You know who's sitting? Pat. Can I help you? I'm looking for... uh, it's returning guest star number six, Francis X McCarthy, as the mad dad who beat up Eugene. Myself, but uh, Mr. Silver didn't think it's smart. Since you're represented by counsel, Mr. Ryman, I really shouldn't speak with you. I came to make one request. The doctors give me about six months. I would appreciate you not dragging it with delays. Like I know lawyers are capable of doing. Win or lose, I'd like to play this out before I go. 
Yikes. It's old Raul Esparza again. It is. I like the continuity. They, there is a healing cut on Eugene's forehead here. All rise. Returning guest star number seven, Linda Hunt. Do you think maybe he was really injured or is that just playing it through? They're just playing it through. I, I don't think the practice is quite that method. Returning guest star number eight, Stephen Gilmore. I'll hear from the defense. Instagram has its work Your Honor, this week. I have a motion together with a memorandum of oh law God. asking you to commute Mr. Pearson's conviction of murder in the second degree to one of manslaughter. It wasn't my intent to surprise the court. Returning guest star number nine, Megan Cole is Egon's wife. Now, what I How find, did they afford this episode? If I'm directing this episode, what I would change about that last scene there? Yeah. So she makes the motion very calmly in court, as she did right there. Right. And there's a, I guess, understandable reaction from the jury, from the galley, and from the uh, prosecution. Right. But I'm going to rewind it 10 seconds, Keith, just for your edification. Bobby Donnell, who's supposed to be on her team and is representing her, gives a hard eye roll and acts flabbergasted as well in court in front of the judge, which seems completely counterintuitive to any chance to win the motion. Yeah, well, it it seems like sort of a little bit on-the-nose storytelling. They wanted the audience to know that Bobby wasn't on board with this, but I think an actual professional lawyer would never give away a tell Yeah, like I mean, they, I all, right. they already had gave two full scenes of Bobby dissenting, and now we have to see it. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Let's watch it again. If the audience, I have a motion together with a memorandum of audience law asking you to commute Mr. Pearson's conviction of murder in the second degree to one of manslaughter. It wasn't my intent oh, to yeah, surprise the court. Take. I just it totally responds decision. like I'm he didn't know it was coming. I'm certainly willing to give the Commonwealth time to respond. Your Honor, I take strong exception. If she had time to draft a memorandum, she had time to make a phone call. To the court as well. I'm agreeing to time now. The motion is denied. Well, I would like to be heard before... If you felt your client should have been charged with manslaughter, you should have raised it before trial. We have no right or authority to tell the Commonwealth what to charge. So what are you doing now? You have the right, as a judge, in the interests of yes. fairness. And if you asked me to consider it, maybe... You can act without a lawyer having You're to ask you. You're not fooling me, counsel. You kept this card in your deck. Go through with the trial, and if we lose, argue prosecutorial misconduct not to charge manslaughter. That's not what I'm doing. It is. You're looking for a free bite. I am not looking for you to take... Yeah. They changed her character completely. Linda Hunt. Yeah. Answer is no. Hey! Can you at least... Okay, Keith, what she just happened? She lost her mind. She threw the briefing papers at the judge. Which, uh, <clears throat> not a lawyer doctor, but probably not a good call. <laughs> oh, gross. If you want to hold me in contempt, fine, but you have been strong-arming this case from the start. This stinks! And another one of our cast is in jail. I think we found the out-of-practice podcast pull quote for the week. Strong-arming this case from the start. <laughs> Ladies I've and gentlemen. a spreadsheet of uh, every time one of our cast members is in lockup. Oh, that's funny. So Bobby's been in for murder. Eugene, two times for assault and contempt. Eleanor, uh, multiple times on the same case for contempt. And now Lindsay's in. Hey, Lindsay, what do you think of the out-of-practice podcast? This stinks! <laughs> not unfair sustained 
<laughs> I'll allow it. I'm glad you didn't set out to antagonize her. That's the first time I've really lost it since Some offices six. have a swear my jar. Their office has a get out of jail flying. jar. Lindsay, you lost it with me a few weeks ago over this case. Now I'm going to go see Judge Hiller and try to talk you out of jail. Then I think I should take over. You're not ready on this. There's a lot of research I involved. I can take over on straight sentencing. I think we should just drop this Hail Mary for manslaughter. Pearson wants to go for it. You talked them into going for it. Even if there was a shot, which I don't think there ever was. This is my case. It isn't your case. It's our case. Pearson came in looking to hire me. Remember? You co-opted this Whoa. case. I let you, but I'm taking over now. I just hope it's not too late. Oh, it's probably too late. 22664, Commonwealth versus James Parrish. Murder in the first degree. <clears throat> Michael Forbes for the defendant. You know what they say, Keith. You <laughs> How's know what that they talking going for you? You know what they say. Mm. Once the briefing papers are tossed, you've already lost. Your Honor, we'll waive reading. I'd also be asking Overruled. that my client be released. OR pending. The Commonwealth is opposed to any bail, Your Honor. This is the second time they've arrested my client. They okay, couldn't even satisfy go. probable cause the first time. time. Can. The rare person on the show we haven't seen before is played by William Converse Roberts from Firefly, Any Day Now, Dangerous Minds, the television show, and The Client, the television show. Also, uh, in frame, our guest star number 10, Ben Slack as Judge Fuller, and uh, the guy who murdered the person is uh, also an actor, because I don't have IMDb up. <laughs> It amounts to harassment. The defendant committed murder, Your Honor. Under current law, it is not considered harassment to arrest him. I'm denying bail. PC hearing tomorrow at 10 o'clock. That's all. He has his own He's pretty aggressive one, actually. I've been up against him before. Great. Danny won't be taking the stand, only you. Come on, let's go to my office, go over your testimony. Nathan West. The law is unequivocal. A lawyer enjoys immunity for conduct which Qualified occur- immunity, not a- Oh, Eleanor, you better bring that square collar right- Now she's got like a hard angles collar. Double collar. Double layered collar there. Absolutely. Oh, come on. Maybe not the most sightly collar, but definitely helps when photoshopping her head or somebody it's- else's head onto her. No, she has the boldest collars. On Tommy, this is a murder trial, a case where the police failed to investigate. We certainly have to be allowed to consider other suspects. Of course you do, but that doesn't give you the right to make bold-faced lie accusations. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I had information on Nathan West, the actor. I just was confused because we hadn't actually introduced him on his previous appearance as the guy who murdered the woman. That's Nathan West. From Not Another Teen Movie, Bring It On, Miracle, and Seventh Heaven. He looks like he used to be a hockey player, so he's done a lot of... He was in Mighty Ducks 3 or something like that, uh, who was an actor. But the most interesting thing about him is he's married to Chyler Lay. From, uh, she, uh, she was on a lot of different things. I think she was in Not Another Teen Movie, but she was uh, also on Grey's Anatomy, and she's now on Supergirl. Supergirl, which I just taped because the first, uh, she, the last night's episode of Supergirl is the first episode of the Crisis on Infinite Earths 
mega event in the CW superhero universe. So I will be watching that at some point. And that has okay. been unimportant information Mike has shared. At Your Honor, or you have the, the transcripts. They called my client the killer. Said he killed his own sister. And our complaint <laughs> alleges they didn't have good a good Lord, faith man. belief in that accusation. If you read the transcripts closely, you will see we raise the possibility. There is Here's a the big... newspaper from the next day. Defense accuses Bam. brother. Oh, so we now rely on journalists to state the facts? My point is, this kid had to walk around every day with people looking at him funny. Did he kill her? Always a little truth behind stuff like that. They painted him as hapless desperate and homicidal all as part of a defense plan to get their client off and it worked good for them though what he's saying is not untrue however in every literally every murder at least the ones i watch on tv they always look at the family first they look at the parents they look at the boyfriend they look at the brother because it's usually a crime of passion is somebody who knew the victim so it's not un i it is a uh, well, it, it, it actually Mr. makes for a good question because, like, let's say, where's the line between being accused of murder in court, which the prosecution does to literally everybody who's been charged with the murder? Be, you know, until they're convicted, they're presumed innocent. And so, therefore, is everyone who is uh, declared innocent of a murder... Obviously, they can't be suing for libel, even though they've been in the press accused of murder. Are the rules different for the defense and the prosecution? Now, a better, and, po- a better podcast would have gone back and, lo- and watched, but at some point, obviously, when they were plan being the brother, uh, the prosecution objected. And if the, the judge didn't sustain those objections or overruled them as a... As the defense in this case, I would bring that up and say, well, they the, the prosecution had an opportunity to object to our line of questioning or our accusations, and the judge overruled it. And thus, now you're trying to sue us for that. I, I, I think that's a good tactic. And I also believe that in this particular case, they didn't actually come out and say, you did it, which they had previously before. I believe they just asked the leading question, did you do it? Hmm. Lots of good questions that a better Vogelman podcast walked. would investigate. But Steve Robin got but left we're with his not reputation crippled. They say they have immunity to behave this way. I disagree. Acts in court guest have stars to be conducted in good faith. 15 and 72 are who? Judge John Rubenstein the and the brothers doing. played they by They withheld evidence from us in this case. They pretty much didn't even investigate for fear the true facts would screw things up. They had our backs up against a wall and we did everything and anything we could to fight back. And now he's suggesting that witnesses who get cross-examined a little too tough should be allowed to sue us? That is laughable. Someone calls you a murderer. I doubt you'd laugh. Come on, right. Tommy. You've made your arguments. Now I'm going to think about it. Okay, fair. Yeah, at least he was uh, kept it succinct. Knock, knock. What a nice surprise. I, um, I assume you're here to invite me to a movie? It's her law, Professor. She's, she's emotionally caught up in the whole thing. Ah, I see. Then I should have anticipated having a brief hurled at my head. I love her. I think she's just terrific. She's great. She's sorry. Is it me or... I I seem to be hearing that a lot in court lately. I'm sorry. Did I miss something? Did I'm sorry suddenly become an affirmative defense? Well, truth be told, Your Honor, you you stepped a little bit over the line yourself, not bothering to even read the brief. 
I don't need to read the brief. All I had to do was look at the letterhead and see your firm's name attached to it. Whoa. What's that supposed to mean? It means That's all misconduct. you people do is stunt. You argue jury nullification every chance you get, or, or, or moral duress. Or... We didn't. In this one, you came in claiming self-defense, then you switched to involuntary act. It's called a zealous defense, which every client is entitled to. Was it a zealous defense last week? When Eugene Young stood up in court and accused the victim's own brother of killing her? That case has nothing to do with this. It has everything to do with who no, and it what doesn't. you're affirming. Hold on. Hold yeah, on. I, All I, of that is entirely irrelevant. And it's misconduct for her to be using that in her judgment here. Yeah, it's it's very TV and it's very heavy handed. And it's weird that I just still think it's weird they're using her. I get where they're going with this. It's an interesting conversation to have. Whether, can you use the reputation of a firm in as context in all of their cases? I mean, I think we both agree that that's com that's wildly in unfair. Yeah, and inappropriate. And you know, the, the the whole basis of the law is to talk about admissible and inadmissible evidence, what is relevant and what is not relevant to the specific case. It doesn't matter, which is why like prior crimes are not admissible in while well, you're trying a certain crime which you know as but and also just to use this character which has been generally sympathetic to your office and to bobby specifically just seems like a a weird choice there have been well, other hard-ass judges I, they've used remember the smoking judge he's what comes to mind no, although I I do like it when their friend finally gets fed up, but I don't like the friend being inconsistent in her judgment or morals. I don't mind her saying, like, guys, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. But she should not be bringing up irrelevant cases when they're talking about a specific case. Although it's they are not in a proceeding. Even blindsided Helen Gamble, calling her to the stand. You don't play straight, Bobby. And I am so sick of it. So Whoa. when you walk in here after a verdict with yet another of your little tricks, don't. So this is a question for our, our potential guest in the future. We might interview. Yes. If, if this conversation were, and maybe the episode's going to explore it. We're only 20 minutes in. Uh, if this conversation takes place, the next time a case that you're defending goes to this judge, wouldn't you ask for a different judge? I would, I would think so. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd have a pretty good grounds for a uh, switching judges, a switcheroo. That's a legal term. Expect me to give you the benefit of the doubt. I expect you to read the brief. I expect you not to punish a criminal defendant just because you don't like the lawyers. I expect you to rule without letting your own personal feelings get you in the way. Should have thought let of me that. finish. I don't have to let you finish. I am the judge. Then act like one. You're angry at Lindsay Dole because she got the appeals court to say you were wrong. It isn't about that. Not to mention stubborn to admit. Get out of this you room. You used to be about fairness. Now you're all about ego. You're not the judge I used to respect. Keep then talking, I do know what I don't know is what happened to make you friends. so embittered. Talking, As an officer of the talking. court, I hold you in contempt. Ladies and gentlemen, this midway through the episode oopsie goes to Bobby Donald for one hell of a scene. I hold you in contempt. You can't handle the oopsie! <laughs> Don't make me laugh, buddy. <laughs> and now they're both in jail. <clears throat> oh, good lord. You're dying. It's deep. 
It's chunky. Oh. I strike that from the record. 10 o'clock. I thought this was a judge you were on good terms with. So did I. Where are we on Robbins? Arguments went okay. I'm drafting up a 12B6, but we may have a much bigger problem. I'm coughing up a 12B6. Our malpractice carrier says we're covered on negligence claims, but intentional infliction, we're on our own. What? Excuse me? They're calling it a supervening act. They can't do that. It happened in court. We're getting... What Keith's roommate in college is doing was a supervening Dude, act. for what happened in court? All I'm telling you is what they're telling me. I don't even so know what that means. So if we lose, it's $30 million out of your own image. pockets? I thought this thing would be kicked. That's what you guys have been saying. The judge should rule today. Has that scarred you for the rest of your life when someone's like, Hey, Keith, can I borrow your computer? Oh, yeah. No, nobody borrows <laughs> my computer ever. The sooner the better. We don't need this kind of publicity. What's happening with Pearson? Back in again today on sentencing. I'd like to stay on it. Well, she's probably more angry at me now anyway. Can you keep it under control? I promise. And on sentencing, don't be going for manslaughter. I'd still like to try. Lindsay, she denied the motion. I can we renew it. I would just like her to hear it. Here. No. The man is 57. 25 years is like a life sentence anyway. At this juncture, though, now Lindsay's being a little ridiculous. I, I think she pretty emphatically said no. I don't know that bringing it up again gives your client a, a good shot. Well... At this point, what does she have to lose? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, A, she said no without re- without even reading the brief. I think you can still press to have her read it. And second of all, like, she's already thrown you both in jail. How much matter can she get at you? Yeah, and maybe there's a tactic to go. Maybe you push her as far as you can so she says something crazy on the record that you can use that appeal. Totally. Yeah, so <clears throat> I disagree. Go get it, Lindsay. Plan B her. Yeah, plan B. You, Why don't you, you let Pearson it. decide? Oh, Eugene bringing the truth bomb. His face came on the television screen. It was on the news or something. The face of James Parrish? Yes. And what happened, ma'am? Danny became very distraught and just started crying. And pointing to the television, saying, there he is. That's the man who killed Cindy. Miss Walsh, the night after Cindy Harrelson was killed, did you accompany your son, Danny, to the police lineup? Yes, I did. And was he able to identify the person who killed Cindy Harrelson? Yes. He pointed to that man right there. Let the record show Thank she's you. pointing to Keith. That's all I have. Yeah, it was me. I killed that fictional character in your 1988. Honor, I would move to Mrs. Walsh's entire testimony be stricken. It's all hearsay. Testimony regarding the police. Oh, God, what the hearsay. It's all hearsay, even though everyone... No, it's all first-hand hearsay. They flushed that toilet 15 times. <laughs> it's normal Line to flush is arguably hearsay, times. I admit, but you, as for what the boy saw in hamburgers. television, what he then said... That's admissible. Oh, come on. What? Excited utterances. Miss Walsh testified that her son was crying and became very distraught upon seeing Mr. Parrish's face on television. While in that excited state, he identified Parrish as... If you can't flush it down, re-elect the clown. Killer. This is legal gamesmanship. Rules of evidence are gamesmanship. The court now has before it admissible testimony identifying James Parrish as the person who killed Cindy Harrelson. She is backdooring hearsay, trying to prevent the boy from taking the stand, which denies my client the right to confront his accuser. Your Honor, the accuser for the purpose of this hearing is Janet Walsh. Oh, yeah, right. I'm finding probable cause. This matter is bound over for trial. The defendant will continue to be held without bail. Good job, Helen. 
All right, Gamble. You'll never make this stick, Helen. Something tells me I will. I'm not sure I follow the admissibility logic, it's just but... probable cause. We still have a long way to go. That's good news. No. As it stands now, I'm still not confident. You have to know that. This week's episode of Out of Practice brought to you by Terrible Synth. Terrible Synth. It's on My your feeling TV. is that we've already alienated her. To do so further, you could be at a life sentence. But the odds are we're looking at 30 right now, which could be the equivalent of I still of think life. a strong showing of contrition is Have our best... Have you read the brief? Has anybody read the brief? What's going on here? Yeah, we basically put all our trust in you and... God, you're in here bickering like Mrs. Pearson. Should we be getting and new lawyers? Throwing briefs at the well, you're judge. facing life imprisonment. I, I don't think they know what they're doing. My God. And they've been thrown in jail cells themselves. They go from insanity to self-defense to involuntary. Now they can't agree. They don't know what they're doing. I think that's a fair representation. <laughs> I would agree. I think. I think I agree with Bobby. We've got to know when to quit. Let me make a statement. I've got a lot of character witnesses. My people at my firm still think I have a shot at 20. So, we'll play it like that. I know you don't want to give up, but it's time. texting you right now so i asked clown <laughs> this is a big fat can of worms Man. allowing lawyers although i don't know that i follow pearson's logic there like what like you said what what do they have to lose now like i'll just oh well we lost i'll just take 20 years sheesh well i mean as as Lindsay pointed out like they're talking 20 30 years like for him i mean obviously you're not, not going to serve all of that but that's a really big portion of his life. At some point, like whether you get out at 75 or 80, it's not a huge, I mean, look, I'm not in that situation. So what do I know about the difference between those two things? But it seems worth the shot. There's to be sued over strategies they utilize in court. Personally, Mr. Silva, you strike me as every bit the vulture you described them to be in your complaint. But wow. certainly lawyers do have to be guided by good faith. And Miss Frutt, accusing the victim's brother? I hope you showered after. That being said, I'm denying the plaintiff's motion to attach property. As for the complaint itself, I reluctantly admit that it should ultimately be decided by a jury. Defendant's motion to dismiss denied. Adjourned. Oh, I guess we're going to get our court case. Are they good people or bad people? Here we go. What's the big mystery? I thought you'd never be talking to us again after what Eleanor... I'm not talking. This conversation never took place. Well, after being accused on the stand for having conversations she shouldn't be having, which pissed her off royal, she's decided to proceed with having a conversation she hopes is off the record with the law firm she accused... Because last time she had a conversation off the record, it went great. Not to be confused with the time she had a conversation off the record while having sex with the uh, attorney at the, at the firm. 
Not to be confused with the time she off the record had a suspect killed. Or two of them, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Police officers. So things are no, going no, well. The cops died. That was the cops died because it was Bobby's fault. My whole oh, right. case she had the cops murder the suspect. I don't want to put a little boy through a trial. Even if she I did, Tuka. I'd probably have a rough time. Jailhouse confession, I'd do better. He's a cocky kid. My bet he'll talk. What's all this have to do with me? This is the part of the conversation we never had. Your client, Kevin Pete, currently serving time for first degree. Currently awaiting appeal. Which she won't win. Look, I'll get the it. parish kid is going to be put into a cell next to Kevin. I want Kevin to try to get an incriminating statement. Both killed young women should be able to bond. Kevin. Whoa, 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 wait, what? She's asking to get an informant from prison, sort of? A sting? A, a in-prison sting? Yes. <laughs> Bringing back the kid, I think from episode two of season three, episode one or two, uh, played by Chad Danella, the two college kids uh, who were both on trial for murdering one of their classmates, and the rich one got off, and our guy Went got convicted. So she's trying to get that guy to snitch on the the guy who killed the woman that the kid is uh, fingering. Ooh. Hey, Keith, is there any uh, cranberry sauce left in the fridge? Well, you might as well get that, too. We, I mean, God, we're like, we just pulled out like that quarter stick of butter that's been wrapped up and like thrown <laughs> in the back a little bit. We've got, got a couple of things of hot sauce that might be 15 years old. Yeah, Mom, this is, there's no way that this is still good to eat. Ah, it's frozen. It's fine. Exactly. Killer and you know it. As far as the law goes, he did, and he's looking at life. Get me an admission from the parish kid. I'll bring a motion to reduce your client's conviction to second degree. That's a I'll quid agree pro quo. Twenty-five years. It's half his life back. That is if definitely Kevin acts as a police agent. He's not going in as a police agent. You and I never had this conversation. Where's Rudy? We need Rudy. So, basically, it seems totally illegal. You're asking me to help you get an unconstitutional confession. You want to shave off a life sentence for your client? I'm giving you an opportunity. Damn. She's a criminal. Helen Gamble is no effing joke. She is. I'm not going to lie to cover I'm not asking you to lie. I'm extending an offer to your client. I'm asking your client to maybe lie. When the verdict was read, you came over to me and said, What now, Helen? Kiss. Kiss. so close. Kiss. Kiss. Here I am. What now? That would be a pl- subplot I would be a thousand percent on board with. Her and Eugene? Yeah, why not? Eugene both- the, the Pants. Okay. <laughs> Round two. I'll hear from the defense. She's going to do it anyway, Keith. Of course uh, Mike. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no universe in which she doesn't do it anyway. She's going to grab a beer from the fridge that sits in the corner of the courtroom for reasons why I don't understand. <laughs> She's I got just... this beer from the cooler on that lady's shelf. <laughs> Your Honor. Oh, there is a mini fridge. I'd like to That's make a brief statement. And I'd like you to hear from Anderson Pearson himself, followed by three character witnesses. First, let me begin. Oh, shit. Here she goes. Close up, which means she's doing it. Uh, Ms. Joe. I'm having a stroke. Hold on. I apologize, Your Honor. 
My client has instructed me to address you on sentencing only, but as an officer of the court, I feel duty-bound to protect the integrity of this process. And insofar as I feel cool the prosecution's again. refusal to offer manslaughter in the alternative. Your Honor. Ms. Joe. And I also know Your Honor's unwillingness to reopen this discussion, but with all due respect, I would like to raise this issue here to preserve... You did raise it. I denied it. The record... I'd like to renew it and ask for 10 minutes. That's all, 10 minutes. If you conclude that I have wasted the court's time, I will go right to my cell. You are pushing this court. I understand that. Ten o'clock tomorrow morning. Bring your toothbrush. That sounded like a threat. That was completely out of line. Yelling at no, me. I won't like stop. You are playing games. I don't think I risked alienating her anymore. What are you doing, Lindsay? What are you doing? We lost it, Bobby. We lost that man's case. We didn't lose it. The professor did shoot him five times. He shot him five times. That's a fair point. What if she gives him life? I kept it under control. I will keep it under control tomorrow. It's a great I know scene, though. What Meredith Pearson said today hurt. It hurt me too. But that was an emotional wife. Lindsay, we've done everything we can do for this man. We have taken he is six a good man. It's unthinkable for him to live his life out in prison. Put it but he to did. bed. Pull that trigger. Five times. That's why he's in jail. Not because of you or me. I'm sorry. I just... In my mind, I have to know that I tried everything. Also fair. So am I going to wear a wire or something? No. You're being used as a police agent, which means when you talk to him, it would be an Chad interrogation outside of council. They don't want any star record number of it. 7,000? So what happens? They'll put him in the cell next to you with the hopes you two talk. Is he the other defendant other than Ralph Macchio in My Cousin Vinny? Did we determine that already? Uh... Did you do a little research on that for me? I'm on it. I'm, I don't think so. I think he's a little young. Oh, yeah, you're right. He does look like him, though, doesn't he? He definitely does look like him. Right. Well, uh, I do not believe so. That's a really cool shot that I froze on here. Like his reflection counterpointed with Eugene in the mirror there. Yeah, I, that actually, you're totally right. Because we have three, we have the back of Chad's head, Chad's reflection in the mirror, and uh, Eugene's. That's great. I like it. I'm going to go ahead. Good work, and... cinematographer. Well done. Yeah, my uh Yeah, no, it is not him. Thank you. Thank you for my crack and team of researchers. Come up with something they can use Ooh. against him. If you do, there's a chance you could get out of jail one day. A chance. All Helen Gamble can do is make a recommendation. Nothing's guaranteed. Okay, when when are they moving him in? I'm told he'll be there when you get back. But since you're scheduled for transfer by the end of the week, you gotta make fast work of it. Yeah, okay. And Kevin, you can't tell anybody about this conversation, not even your folks. Because if it comes out, your testimony is inadmissible, then the deal is off. This is really underhanded. Okay. We'll Super talk tomorrow. Okay. 
P.S. I think the other guy was Joe Pesci. Definitely not the same guy. Joe Pesci? Oh, Joe Pesci's the lawyer. Yeah. No, I meant the other defendant. I couldn't really get right. him to say much. It's two, the two what youths. What did he say? The Mainly other that they'd never nail him. You know, his other lawyer told him all they had was a four-year-old witness. Did he ever admit to killing the girl? Not exactly. Not exactly? Well, I said to him, you did it, didn't you? You killed her. And he sort of smiled a little bit and said nothing. And that's when he I said, aren't you scared? I told him how there was this public pressure to get me. You know, aren't you scared they'll get you? And that's when he said it. They'll never get me, not with a four-year-old witness. I need more than that. Maybe not. You got an implied admission. Kevin said you did it. The parish kid said nothing. Yeah, but how... Silence in the face of an adverse accusation. That's an implied admission of guilt. Admissible. Whoa, whoa. If you've ever been married, that's not true. (laughs) That's just called normal everyday conversation. That's called being... (laughs) Not wanting to ruin your night. Here's your problem. Kevin Pete is scheduled for transfer tomorrow. <coughs> and suddenly he isn't transferred and then comes up with a confession for Parrish? It's going to look suspicious. If you then go moving to reduce Kevin Pete's charge from first degree to murder two, they'll figure this out. It's dicey enough as it is. I say go with what you got now. The fact that it's not an outright confession draws less attention. Make your play now. To your unconstitutional maneuvering. When Anderson Pearson pulled that trigger, it wasn't self-defense. He shot an unarmed man five times. And when we said we wanted to argue self-defense, you quickly said no. Because as a guardian of the court, you were not about to allow tricky lawyering to distort what you knew to be the truth. And standing before you, I'll admit, we were guilty of exactly what you accused us of, Your Honor. We were figuring Anderson Pearson's a good man, the defendant's a bad guy. All we had to do is present self-defense and at least one juror would bite. You were right. But the prosecution had its own strategy. They didn't want to charge manslaughter because they were figuring that... This is sort of closing? No? Yeah, no, I was I was literally debating whether or not it was closing time. And you know what? Because she's it, given a really great... This is really well thought out. So I'm going to even rewind it a little bit. All right, all right. Guys, it's... What is, is it? it? What is it? Oh, wait. <laughs> <clears throat> I I, I uh, unplugged it to charge my phone because we have plans later. Oh. Here we go. Now it is officially. It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. It's closing time. Otherwise your client's dead. Closing time. Because as a guardian of the court, you were not about to allow tricky lawyering to distort what you knew to be the truth. And standing before you, I'll admit, we were guilty of exactly what you accused us of, Your Honor. We were figuring Anderson Pearson's a good man, the defendant's a bad guy. All we had to do is present self-defense and at least one juror would bite. You were right. But the prosecution had its own strategy. They didn't want to charge manslaughter because they were figuring that same sympathetic jury would choose that to avoid sending a good man away forever. So they boxed them in with murder one or murder two. These games are played every single day by defense attorneys and prosecutors in courtrooms all across the country. In the yes, trenches. it's awful, isn't it? 
except when you win. The problem is, you let them play their hand, but with us. Because murder one and murder two were tenable, self-defense wasn't. That's a finding of fact, not... No, it's a conclusion of law based on the facts. Your Honor, you wouldn't let us distort the truth, you shouldn't either. Your ruling was a finding of fact. Should I put on my helmet? Are you about to throw your brief? You shut down self-defense because it wasn't that. But this wasn't murder two either. It was an act in the heat of passion. The man showed up at his door with a dead cat. After a month of stalking, he arrives at the doorway, throws down the family pet, which he had just strangled, and Anderson Pearson snapped. It was manslaughter. So why didn't you ask for an order that manslaughter be charged as a lesser included offense? I'll tell you. You feared, just like the prosecutors, that if it was available, the jury would opt for it. And just like the prosecution, you wanted to play all or nothing. Ask yourself what really happened. Why should I? Because that's what you did when we wanted to go self-defense. You said to yourself, what really happened, and you took over. Fine, do it again. Counsel. Forget about poker and games and lawyers. Just look at the case and call it as you see it. You did it in the beginning. You owe it to Anderson Pierce. I don't owe you anybody. You know what happened. You know what happened. You know what happened. Sit down, Mr. You know Dole. what happened. Biz Dole. You know what happened. Guys, does she know what happened? Two million. We walk away clean. Up front, nothing structured. We're not going to cut you a check, Tommy. Is that why you're here? <laughs> yeah, Eleanor, that's why I'm here. And here's why you're going to consider it. I'm willing to drop the defamation, plus the intention. I hope Tony Danza comes back. I, I just don't I don't understand why you bring him in for like two scenes he shot. Well, also, an interesting piece of trivia for those IMDb, IMDb lookers. Uh, he's not credited in this episode. I also, I think I might have a reason for that. Or, oh. or, or I, I, I have a guess too, but let's hear your guess. The beginning of what I'd like to call a conspiracy theory. Ooh, ooh, hold on. We have a. Uh, it's been so long. I know. It's going to take me 45 minutes to find it. Here we are. Oh, wait. <laughs> I unplugged it again. Good God. Oh, God. I'm doing such a good job. Cons- what? <laughs> conspiracy theory. <laughs> Nailing it. It is. There is a distinct difference, distinct difference between this shot of Tony Danza right here uh-huh. and the beginning of the episode. His hair has grown substantially. So that tells me they shot these scenes a good distance apart. So maybe he's not credited because they didn't know in which episode they would end, end up cutting it into. But this is definitely, he's definitely shot these over a longer period of time than this episode itself. Oh, I didn't. I I'm gonna have to go back and forensically check that. Yeah, his hair is much shorter in the beginning than it is right here. My other thought is they have brought in between thirty and seven hundred previous guest stars, all named here. So the budget of this episode has got to be through the roof, and they probably couldn't afford to keep this show on budget while paying Tony's r- rate. So he went uncredited, so they didn't have to pay him his normal rate. So he did him a favor? I think Tony just might have done them a favor here. It'd be interesting to research his his relationship with, with David E. Kelly to see if that's something he would have done. Well, he seems like a nice guy. He He invited you out for a date, which you turned him down on. That's true. Settle everything under negligent claims, which means you'll be covered by your policy. It's not your money, just your carriers. 
But you don't think they'll see through that? Oh, I'm sure they will. But my bet is they'll settle anyway. So he's now asking them to settle and commit insurance fraud? Pretty much, yeah. But right. it's because very much in keeping here with everybody big. here. I can paint a pretty disgusting picture of you guys in front of a jury. Fraud. Team plan B. Fraud. You could convince your carrier that $2 million is cheap, and you have incentive to do so. Because if that judgment exceeds your policy limit, well, this nice conference table will be mine. And it will be. Hmm. Well, in the spirit of a settlement discussion, which is, of course, off the record, let me tell you something. We gave it about half a thought tops before going after the Robin kid. You know why? We don't like to lose. We're every bit as despicable and cutthroat as you say, which you better think about because we will fight you in the very same way. I look forward to that. Good. Yeah, Eleanor. Because a lawyer suing another lawyer in this town, you're going to look like the bad guy. And when we're finished with you, Tommy, you will be the bad guy. You forgot to ask what's going to happen to you. These are your scare tactics? Look at our record, Tommy. We win. And we've got no problem getting ugly. Now get your ass out of this office and go tell your clients that truth is a complete defense to defamation. You take us to court and I promise you we will be screaming he is the killer all over again. And in the court of public opinion, he will be the killer. Wow. Trace warfare. Here, Tommy. Get out. It's the first Love time it. it's the first time a title of the episode isn't so on the nose, but is perfect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I still would have gone with Thanksgiving. You have to do a lot better than that. You really want to roll the dice with first degree. First of all, what did you offer this Pete kid? Was he a plant? Nope. You sent him in to Linda Tripp. He heard what he heard. And it just happened to come forward. That's what snitches do, Michael. They come forward. Look, I'm sure he'll be looking for something in return. I'm sure you'll use that to impeach him. It doesn't change the fact your guy's in trouble. We have an eyewitness. Who's for? But sure of who he saw, even when he saw him on TV, he recognized him. Your guy was the victim's boyfriend. He threatened her. They broke up. He has no alibi. Now we have the equivalent of an admission. Why are you fighting me? I'm offering voluntary manslaughter eight years. He could get life. How could you even think of turning this down? You wouldn't make the offer if you were so sure. I'm offering it to spare a four-year-old kid from testifying. You should be jumping at this. I'll talk to my client. Well, talk quickly, because I'll tell you, if even a whiff of this gets out, my boss will be in my office to snuff it. Letting your guy out in eight years isn't good politics. For a brutal murder, yes. Well played, girl. They're all playing, doing what they got to do. Got some good lawyering. A lot less uh, intrinsic calculation of the moral the morality of their line of work these days now it's just just get, go go for blood to business well i mean to be fair uh helen never questioned her morality she's like fuck it i'm doing it no matter yeah. what fair <clears throat> all right here comes Final say on the Anderson Pearson case. I spent the night reviewing the long list of your various achievements. Right up until you committed murder, you were a hell of a guy. Well, you did represent a tobacco company for your entire career. How to clean up the profession. I bet you'd have something to say about all the nonsense you've seen go on in this room. 
however much of it's been on your behalf. I realize I did incorporate my sense of the facts into some of my pretrial orders. And under the theory that a judge has an obligation to at least be consistent In the interest of justice, I'm reducing the conviction to manslaughter. Wow. The defendant Whoa. is sentenced to two years medium security credit for time served. We are adjourned. Two years. Egon. Plus credit for time oh served is probably, probably out in like a year. I, I mean, wow. I Okay, David, we've given you a lot of shit. We give you a lot of shit. Obviously, we're big fans. We love the show, but I give—I personally give you a lot of shit for inconsistency. I think you've sort of righted the ship there a little bit. That was well thought out, made sense. They were able to like get this character back. She, she did. She admitted to some of her failings. Lindsay, I, that was great. Right? She showed the moral integrity and complexity. Although that, that we've come to expect for that character. Keith, as, if, if anybody's watching about 39 minutes and 44 seconds into the episode, the take, the hero shot take she does here is ridiculous. <laughs> Let's watch it again. Ready for it? And the look back. <laughs> well, it's not her. It's the weird, like, rush in with the camera yeah. under her face. She basically did like the superhero landing. I mean, he's still gonna go to prison for two years, but he did shoot a guy. Yeah, I mean, well, plus time served, so he's been in for a while, so. Even if they just do episode time served, he's served a lot of time. I mean, time served on this podcast. Oh, well done. There it is, Thank Lindsay. You. The lesson yep. there is act like a lunatic. And throw shit. Throw shit. He'll be back to defending can- uh, cancer-causing cigarettes any day now. Oh, yeah. Sell those cigarettes to kids. Cool sticks. Toddler brand. It doesn't measure up to justice, Mr. and Mrs. Harrelson, but the boy who killed your daughter is going to prison for eight years. No possibility of parole. They just accept a plea. Oh, thank God. Thank this woman here. Without her... We've been thanking her for the last 20 minutes. But something tells me that I should thank you. I wish we could have done better. I know your daughter deserved it. Helicopter I don't see there. how antagonizing I had to let him know he was in for a fight that we weren't just gonna roll over <laughs> I think he got the message it's already marking up depositions maybe we should get outside counsel well what does the insurance company say we're gonna meet them tomorrow Bobby is walking in he's floored he's still got the stunned face Lindsay did it for like an hour and a half commute to Taylor cut it to manslaughter what, what? she did it where is she now? She was tired and she went home. How'd things go with Silva? I think he and Eleanor are going to date. Damn. Ooh. Bobby, can I have a word in private? I promise I won't touch your hair. What? 
Eugene's depressed. Wait, He's wait. Been in his office with Dex, the door closed. Can we have a word in private? Sure. Should we just step three feet to the left and pretend that now we're in a private place? Yes. Are you going to dress like a geisha? Yes. You, you know what? You know what happened there? The uh, they were definitely running out of shooting time. Yeah. And the line is in the script, and they they couldn't get they couldn't contact David E. Kelly to like, hey, can we just take that line out? So like, we have to keep the line in, but there's no way in hell we're doing another setup today. Yeah. So let's just step a little bit and not have to relight. Yeah. Bring the camera over her shoulder and make it look like they moved to like a corner privately. Yeah, yeah. There's no way in hell we're doing another setup. I go in and reach out myself. It's Eight o'clock. The union guys gotta leave. I just don't think I've established a trust. You got a notice to appear before the bar. The others don't know. Oh, their bar's looking at him because of his plan B. Silva did this. He reported you to the bar just so we could use it at trial. Smart. I don't know. Eugene, it was a group decision to go after that kid in court. Not yours. Yep. Team Plan B. Are you really putting this on yourself? He's gonna lament. You know what I've been doing the last profession. couple of days, Bobby? Yeah. Conspiring to get an illegal confession to. Dirty business, I guess. Trench warfare, bitch. Let <laughs> me wear bread to fight all dirty. Lindsay got Pearson's case reduced to manslaughter. She kept pounding and pounding and pounding when everybody was telling her to stop. Now, Bobby, let's not bring your personal life into Especially this. me. She wouldn't. Meanwhile, Eugene just gave the look George that Vogel I had when I really thought about it. So and Pearson got two years with time served for murdering a person on his doorstep with five shots. Which is great and all, and probably the right call. But like, it's just let's just pretend. Let's live in a world in which he wasn't a rich white dude. What do you think his chances <laughs> would have been? First of all, he probably just would have been shot by the cops. But like, there's no way in hell he would have gotten off of manslaughter. I, I mean, thought. you're right, Keith. And who better to discuss the racial politics of our nation? Then Keith two Farney. straight white men. Oh, that romantic piano. Yeah, maybe they're going to kiss. I'd be on board for that, too. Now Lindsay looks depressed in her apartment. Let's look like a comfy chair, though. Helen's coming home from work. Both unnecessary columns and all of the sets. They've got huge, two random white columns. It was a banner day, red letter day for both of them, but nobody looks yeah, happy. I heard you cry. I don't remember. Good day. Yeah. How was yours? I went okay too. Keith, are you that exhausted after an out-of-practice podcast episode? Oh, absolutely. I sit in a dark room and think about what I did silently. It's, it's uh, <clears throat> I think, the appropriate thing to do. 
Well, there we go. Uh, we survived this uh, battle of trench warfare season. We have three, cleaned episode out the seven. fridge. I'm pretty full. Yeah, no, I'm I am stuffed to the gills. Uh, gonna have to do some dishes now. There's only one thing I think that could uh, cleanse cleanse the palate. Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now... Here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? There we go. I'll tell you what the oopsies are. They are a whole bunch of very important awards that everyone is really excited to get, starting with... Most I think the two big wins this week uh, are attributed to Lindsay Dole and Helen Gamble. Although I think if you really look at both of the proceedings, Lindsay did won this week by, yes, being a little overbearing, but at the same time, it was all legal. She really asked for, let's take all of the bullshit trench warfare stuff out of the picture and look at the law and look at what actually happened for some consistency. And look at it coming at your face at about 20 miles an hour, because yeah. I just threw it at you. Yes, she. but at least it was, a quote-unquote, above board. Whereas Helen uh, elicited an illegal confession. So, I think my vote for most valuable lawyer this week goes to Lindsay Dole, a partner at the Bobby McDonald Law Firm Farmhouse Law Firm. Okay, yeah, well... Fair enough. Uh, I I agree. I thought Lindsay killed it. She did great. She pulled one out of the hat. Uh, but the uh, the award goes to most valuable lawyer, not most ethical lawyer. Okay. And uh, ethics aside, Helen got a murderer in prison that... Uh, that otherwise was walking around the street and everyone knew it. And he, she took this guy who literally bludgeoned a babysitter to death and put him behind bars. And yes, of course would have been ideal for him to get life or longer than eight years, but he is now a convicted murderer will be in jail for eight years. And so therefore there were consequences. She found a way to do that without traumatizing the kid. And so, uh, I, I gotta say, I gotta give mine to Helen. So, uh, there it is. Congratulations, Helen and Lindsay, for your oopsies. Meanwhile, your cats are going at it behind you. They are. Although, I guess, if you, let's look at the math of it, though. So, he went from zero years in prison. Well, he that murderer deserved life in prison and got eight right. years. Pearson yeah. was probably going to get life in prison. At the, at the minimum, it was, what, 20 years? Yeah. And he only gets two with time served. Right. So, mathematically... I think Lindsay wins there too. But you're right. As far as a value to society, putting a murderer yeah. away for any period of time, a cold-blooded murderer is more valuable. So uh, I'll, I'll allow it. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm glad. We have split that, which takes us to... 
already famous cause you've been on TV Getting a paycheck Watch the first entry on your IMDB Way to go And you're the best guest actor You are the best guest actor You are the best guest actor on the episode I don't think Tony Danza did enough in this episode to warrant being oopsied I feel like he'll be back. I feel like we haven't finished this case. It seems likely, yes. I'm going to go back to an old standby for myself. I always think she's excellent, and I think got a chance to really shine by getting some chances to explode, to show her range, and then reel it in and and really be pretty brilliant in the end as well. And I'm going to give it to Linda Hunt uh, as everybody's favorite judge, judge whatever. Zoe Hiller. Yes. Yeah. No, no, you're, you're totally right. I think she really had a good standout. I mean, honestly, what we've seen from her, I would love a Judge Hiller totally. spinoff. Totally. Awesome. Like, she should be headlining the Hiller files or whatever it is. And I'd love to see what she goes through every time uh, dealing with these cases. Uh, it's not going to happen, but I certainly would love that. And I totally agree. So congratulations, Linda Hunt, on your oopsie. Non sequitur, what's your ugly Christmas sweater there? Oh, <clears throat> it is a, it's a make it snow oh, with uh, Captain oh Picard on it. Are you going to wear that today? To the oops? Of course I am. Then I'm gonna wear, it's not I'm quite gonna wear a cardigan, but I'll take it. I'm going to wear mine then. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, we are going to be the two... Like old dudes hacking in the background of a thing. Yep. Mine says, uh, what does it say? Oh, man. What does it say? Oh, this is so fascinating. It's a it's a pug thing. It has something to do with a pug. <laughs> like Mary Pugmas or something. I, I, I'll see. I have to pill it out. Anyway. Okay, anyway. Well, sorry. Detour. Hey, guys. Are you going to be at the Red Bucket Follies at the, was it the, the New Amsterdam? New Amsterdam, where we are? yeah. Yeah. Well, you're going to see us. It'll be really fun. Say, he- right. say hello. Tell us you watched the oopsies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The uh, listener. <laughs> hey, listener, do you happen to be in the same place? Okay. Uh, but before we do that, we have to talk about... You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. We could go a lot of different ways here. Uh, I'm gonna be I'm, for the sake of brevity. I'm 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 giving mine this week to Kelly Williams as Lindsay Dole. Uh, she got to play another, you know, more the writing than anything else. She got to play the full the full rainbow of emotions, uh, and so I, I I wore her with my oopsie. That's a discount double check from me this week. Okay, yeah. No, I thought that I thought that was really good. I think um, she did a great job. I also think. Uh, that Dylan did a terrific job uh, in that one scene. Um, certainly, Lindsay had more to do. I also think you could uh, make an argument for for Helen too. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think. Ah, uh, yeah. These are these are some really good. Uh, what am I gonna do? Come I'm so, on, I'm it's so Kelly. nervous. I'm so nervous. What am I gonna choose? Oh, guys, you know what? I think for the sake of whatever, uh, I'm going to split it with you again. I'm going to give mine to Lara Flynn Boyle because I was oh. just happy to see her 
back up to no good mm-hmm. okay. as Helen Gamble. So uh, The roommates. Congratulations, the roommates, Kelly Williams and Lara Flynn Boyle, for your best actor jobs. Which brings us to... The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady! Tom, Tom, Tom. Ladies and gentlemen, I give the floor to Keith Varney. You know, there was a time in days past where a uh, a Tom Brady could take his team on his back and elevate a B-minus team and win game after game after game at home against good opponents, no matter the weather, no matter what the circumstances were, no matter the inflation of the footballs, no matter whether they'd spied on their t- opponents or not. But today... Mr. Tom Brady has lost two consecutive games, and I couldn't be happier. <laughs> wow. Suck it, Tom. But Keith, the, the referees stole that game from them. Yeah, steal this. <laughs> steal my inflated football. So now, now that you've gloated, <laughs> let's bring you back down to the stratosphere with a simple under oath question. Yes. Mr. Varney. Yes. Is Tom Brady. Yes. Tom Brady. Why do you ask? Uh, You'll see. Your honor, please, uh, please make the witness answer the question. (laughs) Keith, you are compelled to answer in the affirmative or negative. Is Tom Brady, Tom Brady? Not not in his play, but in simple identity. Well, it def- it depends on the definition of is. What <laughs> is the definition of is? Mm, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> let's uh, let's cut to the chase here. The winner this week of the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady, unfortunately, despite his lackluster play, despite the fact that he might not be the goat any longer, perhaps the conversation needs to be revisited. Despite the fact that those two feet were in bounds and they should have had a touchdown that was taken off the board because of Bill Belichick's misuse of his instant replays. Well, and you know what might it might have been? The judge, i.e. the ref, might have been taking their prior feelings about the Patriots into mm. that call. You might be deflated to find out, Keith, that unfortunately Tom Brady has to win this week's award for being Tom Brady. <sighs> Fine, Tom Brady wins the award for Tom Brady. Which brings us to... Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. I really thought that this was going to be a slog. That you know that I've expressed a little bit of fatigue from just the same cases being drawn out. But this was a really kind of excellent exploration of I guess a little bit of hubris on both sides, you know, on on the defense thinking they can get away with anything, uh, on the dirty tactics being used by both sides about how even judges are human beings and they start to feel that fatigue as well. They start to, uh, I guess, get tired of the political bullshit back and forth and feel like they have to intervene in some way when it turns out that they're 
their job is not to do that. Their job is to ignore that as they go and, and play things straight down the middle, even though that's hard. They're people. And I think the way this played out not only got a win for our side, but was really interesting. I think that they've opened an interesting can of worms with the Eugene libel case. We haven't explored it fully, but I'm interested to see where it's going. I thought the performances were excellent across the board. I I really was not expecting to like this episode as much as I did, but I, I did. I think the dynamic between Bobby and his and his team, you know, as sort of like Coach Belichick of the of the firm <laughs> is is Don't you dare. He's is, the lead of our show. I guess what I'm getting at is I really enjoyed the episode and I'm going to take a big swing here and give it an eight point two five spare tires. Holy shit. I wow. Really, I really that liked is a, it. That is a bold call, sir. That is bold. Uh yeah no I I I like the I don't think I liked the episode that much but I I did I I I thought it was good I liked the callbacks I mean it was it felt like there might have been a few more leftovers there than we needed all at once um, says the guy tracking down all the guest stars <clears throat> but uh yeah no it it was it was good I was glad to sort of see a little bit more resolution from some of these cases that I felt uh were sort of like picked up and dropped and i i sort of liked the realism of the court system continuing to work and you have these cases that don't just happen in this linear fashion you do a little bit now and then in six months you do a little bit more and then another three months you do a little bit more it's it's not quite all wrapped up in in an episode or two so i actually thought that was kind of cool that we're going to be sort of hopping back into these things uh, always great to have Linda Hunt. She always classes up the joint. I think Tony Danza is a nice addition here. Um, he feels like a worthy opponent, mm-hmm. uh, because they're very similar in a lot of different way. In a lot of ways, he's sort of like a, a Jimmy version of Bobby. It's like if Jimmy and Bobby had a baby, it would be Tony Danza in this, in this character here. So all told, I'm going to give it. 7.5 oopsie awards all right we'll do that math someday um <laughs> two things i'll point out also before we wrap up the discussion of the episode okay one thing i i kind of guess i never really thought about before obviously we know about the thin blue line with police and how there's it's sort of really in bad form to for police to call out other police Right. There's a really interesting uh, documentary I'm watching right now, a docuseries on Netflix called The Confession Killer. And it has a lot to do with that about some, you know, even when certain jurisdictions or certain uh, police departments make some pretty big mistakes, maybe even criminal mistakes, it's generally frowned upon to go after them. Um, I guess I didn't really know that that existed in the law world. You figure they're so combative, they go after anybody that it wouldn't be in such bad taste for lawyers to go after lawyers. But apparently that's a thing. And so I'm interested that we're going to get to explore that a little bit more. I never really thought about it. Yeah. And, and I, I, I would have no way of knowing. I wonder if that is a thing that happens in real life or whether that's a, uh, some created for the show's. But I imagine there probably is like a brotherhood of yeah lawyers the, and such. The other point I wanted to touch on also is that what I'm really kind of digging about the practice, and I'm sure it's one of the reasons it's a it's a classic, a cult classic, is, and though I'm sure it drives syndication a little bit crazy because, you know, most procedurals, your SVUs and your law and orders and things of that nature are pretty much 
they they don't go so far on the continuing arcs. Cases right. don't They're really span multiple much episodes. Much more episodic. Yeah, and I think that uh, you know this really re- re- rewards uh, dedicated watchers, uh, audiences, yes. and and yes. and so you feel like you're sort of in a click and you're with the character, and it's much more you mu- you identify much more with the characters because you're in the the continuing stories with them. So I'm really enjoying that aspect of the show. Yeah, no, it's as it becomes a little bit more serialized as we go along. Yeah, no, it's 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 great. You know, I I wish they had a cult following. They had more of a broad following then than people aren't aware it still exists because it wasn't on streaming for a long time. But we're gonna make a cult following. That's what we're gonna do. If if us and our you know <clears throat> of listeners are not a cult <laughs> of followers, then I don't know what is. <laughs> it's the, the very definition of cult following. <laughs> We here at the Out of Practice Podcast and the uh, world's least successful cult, <laughs> the two least charming cult leaders in history, <laughs> you can reach out to us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can join the jury by leaving a rating and a review on the Out, on the out of Practice Podcast. No, on the Apple Podcast. You can reach us on social media on Instagram and Facebook at Out of Practice. And you can check out our blog and see lots of pictures from the shows as well as our continual rankings at Out of Practice Podcast.blogspot.com. I have filled as much time as I can think of. You go. Well, it's the holiday season. So, regardless of what holiday you might celebrate, a gift you can give is the free out of practice podcast tell a friend even if they didn't watch the practice which probably many of our viewers our listeners didn't keith's brother my wife my brother some of our friends had no interest in listening to or watching the practice but they still enjoy the podcast i never watched it i'm the host of the podcast so anyone can be converted give the gift of humor and law to your friends and with keith I give you laser sounds. I reject the premise that we're a gift. Laser sounds. <laughs> <laughs> oh.